Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode number 379. Please do not throw hands at me again. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? I suddenly realized that open makes it sound like we're reviewing Robots of Death a second time. I maybe, guess it's maybe technically we accurate. All the robots do have a pretty nasty streak. Good. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys have a good week? Do anything fun? I finished a couple of books. Oh, what books did you finish? I finished um, the new adventure novel, uh, Cat's Cradle, Witch's Mark, um, which <laughs> I'm up to, I haven't even reviewed it on Goodreads yet because I'm of two minds with it because this is the one that I started at the end of last year yeah, and I kept picking it up and I'd read a little bit and it was, it's a slow burn getting started and I finally got everything wiped off my list of to read or reading and, except for that one and I was like, all right, well, I'll just get through this one. And I got probably two more chapters into it and just couldn't put it down. It was really good. I was really enjoying it. It's great. And it's 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 like really cool fantasy story with the seventh doctor and ace and they've gone to this alternate realm that has things from like Celtic lore and it really gets really super interesting and there's some there's stuff going on back at Earth with these like peripheral characters that I'm kinda getting interested in and then and then it takes this interesting turn that i'm not sure it's it still didn't slow the book down for me i still kept reading at the same pace but now i'm not sure what i thought about it after they kind of took this turn with it mm. overall I, I i think i gave it three stars when i marked it but or maybe i gave it four i think maybe i gave it four because a good chunk of the book is really quite enjoyable but it just i'm i'm not sure i the end set as well with me as it could have had it gone maybe the direction i expected it to but I'm looking forward to you guys reading it and see what you think of it. And then the one I just finished up tonight on my dinner hour was, um, it's called Russian Roulette, the inside story of Putin's war on America and the election of Donald Trump. So it, it really kind of focuses in on Russia's anti, uh, or, or meddling in the elections. We watched Darkest Hour. Ooh, what do you think? It wasn't as good as Churchill, I don't think. But it was good. I think Gary Oldman did a very fine job as Churchill. Sometimes I found his makeup distracting. I could still see Gary Oldman's eyes there. And then if I focused on his eyes, I would then see Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> and that's no fault of the makeup or the movie itself. That's totally me. But and then I finished reading uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child Parts 1 and 2. And I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Did you? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Of course, what's a big part of it, Glenn? Eh, of course, I would love it. Oh yeah, <laughs> time travel. Yeah, time travel is a huge, huge, huge aspect of this film or this the play. And really, really enjoyed it. I started reading Beyond Tomorrowland. It's actual prequel to the Tomorrowland movie. It better be being called Before Tomorrowland. <laughs> I thought the same thing. <laughs> like I said, start off a little sluggish, but it's pretty good so far. So I'm happy to be reading. It's been a while since I've not 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 homework related reading. Yeah, just kind yeah. of reading. reading. I'm mowing my way through Armada so far. I'm, I saw I'm about a hundred pages that. in on it, and it's really good. And then uh, Julia and I went to uh, the uh, Topeka Jazz Workshop uh, Sunday, and so I took in a jazz concert. So that was about it. Nice. Let's move on to some news. So in an Unsurprising turn of events. <laughs> Big Finish has unveiled a new logo for their Doctor Who line. <gasps> What's the new logo look it's like, Keith? The new logo. I know it's a new logo. What does it look like, Keith? It's, it's the new Doctor Who logo. Oh, it's the new Doctor the Who The new logo. Doctor Who logo. So they released it with the cover of Time War 2. And Ogron's return. Ooh. <laughs> Not sure how they translate to audio, but uh, if anyone can do it right, big finish. I'm of two minds on this. <laughs> I think the new logo looks fantastic on the actual CD cover. It fits yeah. very well. It's balanced. It's very aesthetically pleasing. I really miss the sidebar and the fact that now all of a sudden my OCD is going to kick in and be like, but, but, 
but <laughs> but you know they didn't have a sidebar for like the first hundred or so, and it's bothered me or not, since not that many. Well, and it's, and like fifty all or of so. The, all, most of the special releases like these don't have the sidebar anyways. Yeah, because yeah. it's only the main range that has them, right? But apparently they are giving you the option. Well, the Companion Chronicles had them, and yeah, and yeah. I think the so a lot of times. The individual stories within a box set has them, but the main box set itself does not. And see, I'd have flipped so it like, around anyway. War Doctor, all of his individual stories had the sidebar, and the cover, main cover, doesn't. So does does that maybe the sidebar's not fully going away? I suppose that could be a possibility. This is just the main well, entire but if, box if, set. If you scroll down to the Sixth Doctor one, oh yeah, which is also there, there's a cover bit. They apparently are doing these reversible. So you've got the one that has the new logo, and then you've got the other one on the reverse side that has the doctor-specific logo. Which, quite honestly, that's the one I would use. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it makes sense to keep everything Doctor Who branded the same way, even though they hadn't done this previously. (laughs) Keep everything going forward that's coming out new the same. And I think it's it's a smart move on their part to try to... Also, subtly send a message to the fans who might be not so sure about a female doctor that this is the same doctor. This is you can't deny the fact that everything has this logo. It's the same show. Yep. Um, yeah. For the pe- I think also just the one thing I would add to that is for the people that are complaining about it. I think I have to look at it from this place. We a lot of times we as fans, especially old school fans, a Logo of a certain type generates a nostalgia to us. Yes, and that's all it is. It's I, the the logo on the box makes no difference oh. as to what the content is. Absolutely, the content not. is the most important thing. And if it continues to be good content, it doesn't matter what the logo says. And like so the fourth Doctor when, box set, they're not going to go in and change the logo in the actual episodes. Right, exactly. And so, for people that complain about that, I have to say, you know, you just. You can go back and look at any of your old logos at any time to spark that nostalgia. Anything oh, that's yeah. new coming out, I totally agree with you. It, it, it's smart to kind of unify the brand all the way across the board. I mean, there's people that the silly elongated oval sparks nostalgia for them, and they, they were mad <laughs> when it changed when Matt Smith came along. Right. So, I mean, it's you're always going to I have wasn't. a change. Of logo, yeah, I wasn't either. But then again, <laughs> we spark nostalgia for the diamond logo or the you know McGann logo or the you know. So it's always going to come along and change. And while that may be, I mean, change just happens in Doctor Who, and it's gonna, oh, yeah, it's inevitable. The packaging is still the same. That's actually the, the one inside thing the that got me the to finally kind of accept the the oval. I don't know that I've told this story. Is I, I kind of any time Doctor Who would come on and that oval would spin up and put the, the it was just this moment of ah uh, because it just it, I don't know it just bugged me, and I finally got to the point where it was like you realize that your pretty much entire history with Doctor Who it was in a diamond right, <laughs> so it's just changed shape. In fact, it's still pointy on the ends. And after I thought that, it was just oh okay, and I became more okay with it than I was. <laughs> So how did you handle when there was no shape? Well, that I, I, I was used to that too, because the sixth Doctor and the okay. seventh Doctor, you know, those were. Well, the seventh Doctor, he was brazen. His letters didn't even conform to one word. They kind of tumbled <laughs> through space, on, independent of themselves. In three D. In three D. Three D. I do like that. <laughs> I was less than through just with the cursive, but the, the who looked great. <laughs> oh well. I'm not in logo design, so nobody asked me. <laughs> I think it's a good change. It's a striking logo, too. It just it stands out. In other news, uh, Candy Jar Books have announced their release, uh, the, the upcoming releases of a new series of novels to celebrate the 50th anniversary of The Brigadier. The series, which is pretty much true phase two... <laughs> <laughs> is called The Laughing Gnome. And the stories contained within will be Scary Monsters by Simon Forward, The Fear of Web by Allison Leeds, <laughs> The Danger Man by Nick Water- Walters, Day of the Matador by Robert Mamone, and Lucy William and the Blitto Cadets by Tim Grambell. Oh. They are, these are followed by On His Majesty's 
National Service by David E. McEntee and Dr. Lynn Nuschbacher. I hope I said that last one right. So a lot of familiar names coming back in the fold for these lines of books. So, and these... Now, these are all the shorts that are part of this compilation? Or no, these like are the all long, novels. These are all going to be novels. Yes. And The Laughing Gnome is the overall... Like, The Great Intelligence was the big bad. Apparently. The I, Laughing Gnome yes. is going to be the big bad for, for at, series two. At least two. a link. Um, the first five fall under The Laughing Gnome banner. The last one does not. Okay. Uh, so, The Laughing Gnome follows the Brig, Brigadier Bishop, Bill Bishop, and Dame Anne... Bishop, as they adventure through time, visiting the 30s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and the 2010s. And then the final story takes the readers right back to the start of the Briggs journey and reveals a decision that changed his life forever. Hmm. So it looks like we're doing some time hopping. Exciting stuff. Yeah. So it's kind of like a taste of the, the short stories, but fleshed out in full novel form. Yeah. I look forward to getting into those. So the, here's the, the synopsis for the entire line I think is fairly fascinating. December 2011. And the Lethbridge-Stewart clan are gathering. The patriarch, Sir Alastair Lethbridge-Stewart, is not well. In fact, he's dying. He's determined to face his end with dignity. He has lived a long life, seen a lot of strange things, saved the world more times than he can count. But he has also made a lot of mistakes. What if he had the chance to revisit some of those mistakes? Hmm. We mean like not blowing up the Silurians? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. Sorry, just throwing things out. Just spitballing. <laughs> so that's... Look, at, look for that on the horizon. That's it for news. Moving right along. Let's pick up some feedback. First up is Ben. Ben writes, Recovering nicely. Hey guys, I hope this finds everyone well as they travel the vortex. I've had my surgery now and I'm doing okay. Medication has helped a lot so far. I've been too fuzzy to do any reading. I couldn't remember what the material I've got right now is anyway. But I have been watching a lot of TV and movies. Caught up with The Walking Dead, watched the Netflix reboot of Lost in Space, Finally got around to X-Men Apocalypse, and lastly, The Shape of Water. Walking Dead was okay. My interest in the show has been waning for some time now. Lost in Space was really good. A new take on a favorite classic. I'm hoping they order a second season. X-Men Apocalypse was better than I was expecting. Bit surprised they touted Olivia Munn as much as they did, considering she isn't in it all that much. And I get that the outfit is comic book accurate, and therefore eye-popping as well. But still. The Shape of Water was amazing. If I had anything not positive to say about it, it would be the dancing scene. But even that I can forgive, because that's how a woman of that time period might visualize that scenario. The ending was a bit of fan service, but, you know, that's nice once in a while. Give her the gills, let her live happily ever after. That's it for now. Take care, guys. P.S. Today, April, Sunday, April 22nd, is both Earth Day and my birthday. Happy birthday, Ben. Happy belated birthday. I hope everyone does something nice for the ball we live on. It's the only one with pizza. <laughs> Are you sure about that, Ben? That, you we, sure there's that, not that, that we know of yet. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the only one we know of with pizza. I'm trying to imagine what pizza on Scaro would be like. They put pineapple on it. Oh, that's just gross. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder they're evil. <laughs> okay, I don't know that we've ever had this discussion because I actually like pineapple. I don't. I don't. I do not don't, like pineapple. You're not even. Period. Just me. Okay. I don't like pineapple off a pizza or on a pizza. It doesn't fruit, matter. Fruit does not belong on a pizza unless it's a dessert pizza. Yes. But it goes good with ham. Ooh. Yeah, it does. I don't like Canadian bacon either. No, I didn't say Canadian bacon. I said ham. Who puts Canadian bacon on pizza? Weirdos. Apparently the Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> Likely. <laughs> Other feedback. <laughs> I'm glad you're on the mend, Ben. Yes, and happy birth- happy belated birthday. Andy wrote in. He wrote, actual feedback. <laughs> well, something for you to read on podcast. Hey, lads. Thought I'd give you and your listeners a quick update. The new one usual is now with the printers. 
and a reminder that although it is released third, it is set between a very private haunting and the man from yesterday. Although you don't need to necessarily read them in that order, but you'll get more from Anne's arc. In particular, if you do. And no promises on how well your fictional selves fare in this latest novel. But they're all there. Dun, dun, dun. In other news, we're just one story away from the full list of lineage short stories, which will include a bonus short story not currently announced. I'm not saying what it is, but it's certainly one a lot of fans have been waiting for. Hmm. Now, excuse me, I must get back to the Eighth Doctor and Mary Shelley for their last outing. Gotta say, the Mary Shelley Big Finish stories are really good. Check them out if you haven't. Andy. They're on the list, Andy. He's been saying that for three years. Well, we've got to get through Lucy before we can get to Mary Shelley. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Um, so I guess maybe as we get a little bit closer, for, for those eagle-eyed uh, listeners... Eagle-eyed listeners, yeah, uh, who, who do frequent our website, they may have noticed that the new schedule was posted, uh, and it does include uh, the man from yesterday. It's down the road a bit, but it's there. Um, but I guess maybe we'll kind of um, play that by ear, as it were, and as we get a little bit closer, if people are starting to get their copies of New and Usual, unusual, maybe we'll go ahead and flip it out just to keep the Ann part of it. Not that we have to, he says, but... right. Maybe we'll take a poll. I don't know. It would be nice to have them in chronological order. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that a vote? <laughs> Should I mark that down, Keith? <laughs> One yes. If it's available. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> well, if uh, anyone wants to send us feedback, you can do so by going to our website, travelingthevortex.com, where you can check out the schedule. Uh, while you're there, f- click on the Send Us Feedback tab or send it directly to feedback at travelingthevortex.com. Well, let's move on to our review. Oh, wait. Our topic of discussion, you mean? Yes. Hoobots. I just thought it would be fun that we. one of the things that has always been, um, well, knocked about or, or dogged on when it comes to Doctor Who is the production value. And we've championed that before and said, no, it's great. But I think one of the areas that could go either way <laughs> when you talk about the production value is the look of the robots and uh in in the, in the show's history when you look at things like um you know the quarks or hey, oh, oh on the good side okay or, or, right, or, starting or the, on the good side or, or the mechanoids or uh even uh uh candy man <laughs> or the kettlewell robot or the kettlewell robot some of these have a tendency to be a little on the goofy side of, of, of I like of I like to think they come with a side of cheese. There you go. That's one way of putting it. But, and this is where I will rise to champion them, I, I think the Doctor Who robots all have, it doesn't matter which one it is, they all have a distinctive sci-fi flair to them that because they are rather kind of clunky and, uh, uh, and, and obviously not all of them, there are exceptions, but they, they all have that, well, not retro, but... Um, lived in <laughs> kind of <laughs> kind of feel about them and uh, i thought it just may be kind of fun to talk about you know the different robots that are featured in the show and our thoughts on them and nobody else wrote in with their thoughts that's fine we can talk about it. i'll talk i'll talk for hours and hours about about robots um I've, I've always enjoyed the fact that even if i didn't know it was doctor who if i just came home and flipped on the tv and this robot came up, no matter which one it was, I could probably go, oh, this must be a Doctor Who episode. Because they just have that kind of ambiance about them. (laughs) Am I wrong? No. No, I think you're right. I think, to your point, we say goofy, funny. That's only from today's standards, really. Oh, yeah. Back when a lot of these robots were created, they were scary. They were cool they were the kind of robots that you know you were seeing in science fiction and other media as well and they were the very very much in line with what was coming out and i think that you have to put doctor who robots especially from the classic series in perspective of the era that they were created the era that they were invented in and that i think when you look at it from that perspective there's a lot of coolness about them if you don't look at them as oh, they're so clunky as compared to today's or goofy as compared to today's standards, 
they're really kind of they're i mean they're they were of most shows they were ahead of their time i mean while star trek was doing some robots they weren't doing much and most mm-hmm. of it was alien species most of it was makeup mm-hmm. work was rubber monsters um arguably better rubber monsters than they were doing on doctor who but doctor who was doing robots and to me they hearken back to a lot of the b film robots especially the stuff from Troughton and hartnell um even through up through tom baker's eras the they they hearken back to the 1950s b film uh robots so that that kind of nouveau science fiction of the 50s that had kind of this sleek look and more angular features and uh Things like that. So I, I automatically gravitate to a lot of robots. And as soon as a robot comes on Doctor Who, I, I just kind of look at it and go, oh, that's really a cool, neat design. It's something that's that's clever. Yes, no, it's not C-3PO. It's not R2-D2. But it's it's something that harkens back to another era that I'm very, very fond of. And especially when you think back to those, especially early eras, and the, how they were able to come up with these really cool designs for the quarks in the 60s, the way they look, is I think with the 60s perspective, I think they look pretty incredible. They really and do. And they're pretty, they're, they're very unique. And pretty much all, somehow Doctor Who is able to find a unique stamp for pretty much every single robot it has. There's not another one, there's not one on there that I think, oh, that looks like it could be this. They all are very unique and their own creatures and, well, maybe not creatures, but... Their own robotic beings. There's not a, you know, where you can see the the line of secession from Metropolis to 3PO. There's not so much of that in Doctor Who, which right. I think is pretty impressive. Well, and when you look at science fiction in general, specifically of the time, if you go with Forbidden Planet as kind of the great-grandfather of all modern science fiction. Right. And so, therefore, Robbie the Robot is kind of the great-grandfather of all modern science fiction robots. And the and closest yes, you, one we get to that is K-1, and that's yeah, how far, that's much really longer. Far back. And even then, it doesn't look like it. No. Yeah, and then, the next, as you pointed out, you're right, Star Trek really wasn't. I mean, we had the Nomad Probe, but that really wasn't, you know, a robot. We've had mad computers, but no robots. Star Trek really kind of stay, stayed away from it. Um, and then the next example that you really get on television, anyway, is Lost in Space. And Robot looks a little bit like Robbie, at oh, least yeah. in the design elements of it, with the chest plate and the light-up dome and, and that kind of stuff. So it would be easy, in a way, for Doctor Who to go, okay, let's do something like that. Now, whether it was because of budgetary reasons or... Because you know, both of those were very impressive robots, but for, for whatever reason, they didn't go that way. And instead, we got this whole range of other things... I think it's to some extent it's advantage the fact that the robots on the show they were recurring but they weren't ongoing if that makes sense where robot and lost in space was a regular character yeah that's true these are villains coming in for potentially at the time they're designed one-offs and you don't know if they're coming back until you know if they're popular so I mean I think that plays a huge role in how you design it design something like that that's very true because if it had been something that you know if it was designed... wound up meeting a, a, a return appearance every week right it's going to be there you, there's a lot more functionality you got to think about while using it i mean look at canine and they didn't think as much about that as they probably should have when designing him and he didn't get used to his full potential yeah and you probably wouldn't design something that didn't have a a recognizable face right to, you know uh, i mean a mechanoid <laughs> it's kind of a big spherical a big, yeah. thing, or uh, the uh, the war machines. I think is another kind of. We just need something that's gargantuan that's going to trundle along on tank treads and mash its way through walls. Okay, you know, we got that. <laughs> yeah, I think with some of those robots, there are, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to dog on the quirks a little bit because while I like the quirks and I think it's they're they have they spark some sort of interest in me. I think the corks are a very simplistic design um utilized well i mean they needed something to come up that and as you say they are very anatomically different than anything anything oh, else yeah. that's come before um, or after really. but i think it's very well i think there's a reason why they <laughs> <laughs> nothing came after but i think the corks in a way are a lazy design um because they're so boxy because their arms fold out i think there's a lot of conceptually they're a good idea and in fact i think the lethbridge stewart book 
the dom uh, mutual assured mutually assured domination really kind of made the corks even cooler in my mind uh explaining things they could do beyond what their rudimentary design looks like in the book so i that being said i think they they work well for the dominators and i think sometimes even in the uh 1960s doctor who comics uh of the thir- uh, second doctor's era i think they're really very cool as well yeah um but i think uh, as as a working robot for the dominators i think essentially it's a lazy design but it's it, it it's functional for what they needed for the story you know i'm looking at the design of a cork and i just how come they haven't marketed these as uh like stereos <laughs> the speaker up top is the head and you a can bluetooth have, speaker yeah. yeah and have the arms come out and you can plug your devices into your that ports in probably it. because yeah. there's not a lot of people that care or even know what the i would buy are. that i would buy that uh, that being that. said the mechanoids which i also have a bit of a affinity for i also think is a bit of a lazy design because i to me a mechanoid is really almost a ripoff of a dalek even though there's no organic material within it it's just it's another large clunky rolling across the floor robot that that really has not a lot of functionality at first sight i mean they the story around them builds them up to be more menacing or more uh, dangerous than they maybe even perceive to be uh in fact they're a match for the daleks when they you know when they at the the battle at the end of the chase um but again i think a a, a Maybe for simplicity comes out of necessity, I think, sometimes when you've got a shoestring budget on a series. But the mechanoids, I think, for their purpose, I think was was clever enough to do. But again, another simple design that I think it comes across a bit lazy, but isn't necessarily a bad thing or a bad design. I think I don't think I'd mind simplistic design if they weren't built up to be menacing, weaponized you know, and maybe that was the point is to show you something that you go, Aw. <laughs> and then it unleashes hell. And you're like, are we talking oh, quarks or are we talking mechanoids? Either way. I don't think I, there's, I don't there's think no there's, there's no cute about, aw about the mechanoid. mechanoid. I mean they're they're big they're big well, they've got the, several sides, the, 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 but they're the, the, orb or, or you know, spherical orbs that glide across the ground. I'm not even sure what the technical term because they're not spherical, they're not hexagonal, they're no, <laughs> octagonal. Polygonal. Yeah, they got lots of lots of surfaces on them, Um, but um, the quarks. One of the things that helps with the quarks, and yes, I dog on the quarks. I will say visually, the quarks are very cool. The design is very hampering to what they were expected to do as how they were written, but the, the in particular the dome and the spikes coming off the head. That's a very cool design. And I can even, after we read the book, I can justify a little bit more of the stocky body with the idea that everything retracts up inside it for well, storage purposes, when, like a battle That's droid. what I'm saying, yeah. is that book really effectively explained the design of the cork and made, right. it, made it a logical step for why it's designed the way that it is. But unfortunately, on your first encounter of it, none it's, of there's, that. There's, there's, there's no, a lot of red They've made there. them cooler, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like I said, the design is cool. The, the execution may be left a little... <laughs> I think a, if you put that head on a little more desired. articulated body, I think it would have been cooler. That, that might be cool, too. Because um, the dome with the spikes is kind of a neat look. Now, even the, the mechanoids, they get a few bonus points simply for sure bulk. They are. Because they're tall. They're, I mean, these are big robots. But how practical is that? Not very. Once you get outside the mechanoid city, I can't imagine them going. We read those action comics where the mechanoids were flying spaceships, and I kind of went, no. (laughs) I don't buy it. The mechanoids should be the spaceship. The sizes that they are. Now. A a person can get in there and be, it could be a shuttle. (laughs) There, there you go. The Chumblies, on the other hand, while I love them, is kind of the definition of wow, really? <laughs> See, I consider the crotons more that definition. Really? The crotons feel like even I, I kind of equate the mechanoids and the crotons on the same pane of glass <laughs> level of kind of really <laughs> for me. That those two are probably the the peak. 
Oh man, I can't believe you guys tried to pull that off as a menacing villain. It just does not work. And I think part of the Crotons is the voice that comes out of those things doesn't match at all. The personality is is, is definitely right. right it's just what were you, oh, I points for trying to be original in your design, but somewhere along the lines you went way over too far. There's a line you should cross, and they went past that and looked, waved at it from a distance, thinking that this was a good idea. <laughs> Just not quite quite there for me. I have to wonder about, and I think we've, because we were being sticklers when we were setting this up about whether certain things qualified as robots. Whereas the Crotons are a crystalline well, species true. that evolved and not took mechanical. the form of robots over somewhere over the course of their evolution. So they're crystalline, but they're not really bioorganic. But on the flip side, they're a species that evolved into the basis of a robotic body. So I kind of wonder about whether that's, you can actually count that or not. But (coughs) as far as a design argument, yeah. They were designed to be robots. I agree. Yeah, I agree. As a design element, I think they're a bit clunky. (laughs) <laughs> I, I think I would give you crotons because the fact that they are crystalline means silicon. Okay. Yeah, they're certainly silicon based. Yeah, yeah, that's a robot. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could also. I mean, if we're going to venture into that, you have to uh, look at robots as a species as well, because the Movellans, they are a robotic race. They are a bioengineered robotic race, right. but they are a robotic race. Knowing that Glenn was going to bring up Movellans, I went and grabbed The Raston my... Warriors, by the way, were also considered a race of robots. So there's no real definitive background for they were built and programmed. They were actually a race or a species of robots that ended up alongside. <laughs> well, sure, so... but even, I mean, to pull a page out of Stargate, once the replicators come along, they're considered a, a race of robots, but they replicate by cannibalizing other things and building new machines. Uh, that's Okay, I'll buy that because that's you know you're you're performing the the function of life. So right, is it alive? Right. Well, yeah, but it's still a, it's still a robot, but it's a race of robots. So I went and grabbed my handy copy of the Doctor Who technical manual because I knew Glenn was going to bring up the Movellans, and I was all set and prepared to to bring the hammer down on why they they didn't count. And I read, and I'm quoting now: "Little is known of Movellan origins, but while it is certain they are a race of robots designed to resemble human beauty." Only under close scrutiny does it become apparent that they are not what they appear to be. Physical makeup represents a truly remarkable feat of biosynthetic engineering. And this is where I thought I had him. Micro-miniature hydraulics, biochem osmotic micropumps, and no less than 10,000 million artificial nerve cells ensure that even the smallest human bodily functions is exactly duplicated. Now, I'm not sure where the author got that terminology from, but it sounds suspiciously almost word-for-word like the speech that they use to describe the ILEA probe in Star Trek The Motion Picture. And I classify her as a robot, so I had to throw out my argument and go, darn it, Glenn's right, the Movellans count. We argued back and forth a little bit there because we talked about the organic, the bio-organic nature of them. Robots as opposed to androids. Right. Right. So, yes, the Movellans are, are in the mix. But we, want, we don't want the Daleks. <laughs> well, the, the Daleks are actually organic. They just happen they just to roll a around in a tank. metal, yep. metal <laughs> tank container. The Cybermen could be questionable. No, because no. the Cybermen <laughs> nice are converted uh, organic material. They augmented Augment, humans yes, or yes. Humor, humanoid species. It's the, re- it's the reverse of the I, I actually came, well, I, I didn't come yet because I was. I had referred to this as well. And I thought, well, we could certainly talk about the... Um, um, Cybermats? Yeah, Cybermats. But we kind of got that S- thrown back in our face when we finally teeth. saw the teeth in the yeah. uh, closing time. So. Or the Cyber Shade, which... That is a... It's an organic yeah, yeah, that with one, components, yeah. so... We don't know what's controlling the Cybermat, I suppose, if we break no. it down. But So, yeah, we, we, we kind of went back and forth on that. Um, as the show... And, and to your point, Glenn, about um, they were always scary regardless of kind of the design functionality. Nowhere to me is that more evident, and obviously this is very much a product of the time that I saw it, 
but um, Sontarn experiment. When Sarah Jane, they transmit down to the, the, the planet, and they're kind of roaming around, and we just get glimpses of the robot thing that's out hunting, yeah. and you just kind of see oh, the top of it from behind yeah. a dune or something, and it's got big whip antennas and light bulbs, and you know, what is this thing? What is this thing? What is this thing? Terrified me. <laughs> Even after I saw it, when they finally do the full reveal of what it looks like, and I, you know, now I look at it and go, really? <laughs> that thing, that design is so impractical for what you're using it for. Again, inside a spaceship, I'd totally buy into this. But as a planetary explorer, <laughs> no. You put wheels on that? No. You know, but it didn't matter because as a kid, it terrified me. I don't think it even had a name. <laughs> it's just random probe device four or something. And it was, <laughs> but so yes, they, they, they are scary. As the show went on, I feel like they got maybe a little, I'm not sure how to put it. Is it more ambitious by trying to make more humanoid robots or is that suddenly become less ambitious because it means it's just a suit that we can put an actor in versus building something? I think, I think that comes out of necessity too. I think that yes, we've got an actor that we can put in a suit and control the suit. And I think that's why we get like the Vox robots. I think that's why we get um, quarks. I mean, for all intents and purposes, there's small people in there that are uh, Yeti doing those Yeti, which you can count as a robot as well. Um, Raston Warrior robot was just a guy in a spandex suit. (laughs) Yeah. Leotard. Unitard. Yeah, Unitard. <laughs> and a mask. Um, no, I think it comes out of necessity that you have to have somebody perform that robot. And I think a lot of times that's why they end up becoming humanoid shape, at least. Um, I don't think that's necessarily lazy. I think that's more out of necessity. No, a because I think, yeah, necessity. even even the robot, the uh, kettlebell robot in robot, is oh, a yeah. guy in a big, you know, big guy in a suit. And I think one of the things that early on, especially in science fiction and even in, a, in, in a real science fact, when they started designing robots, they realized that the human form was kind of the best way to do it because we already know how we function and, and can, you know, utilize things. And so I think that science fiction kind of takes a page out of that book where they say, well, yeah, obviously it's going to need arms because it's going to have to function like a human in certain cases. It's going to need legs because it has to be mobile, but it also has to be nimble enough that it's not, you know, rolling over terrain that's going to stop it. If it's got two humanoid legs, then it's going to be able to uh, traverse terrain in much the same way we do. So I, I can kind of excuse the humanoid robot just based on that idea. So I've always wondered about that because I fall down a lot and I, <laughs> if I was going to pack lots of millions of dollars worth of sensor equipment into a body, it wouldn't be this one because I fall over on flat surfaces, let alone, let's go traverse <laughs> Mars. Okay, put in a, ro- a two-legged robot. What? Um, well, it, to that point, I think just to bring up something more modern, I mean, we look at the, the robots in uh, the emoji robots, I mean, they're very much humanoid robots. But if you mm-hmm. go back to, like, uh, the Caretaker, you had the uh, Blitzer robot, the Marvin, Assassin that's robot. That's what those remind me of. Um, they had Marvin. Yeah, yeah. they kind of do. It, yeah. just, it just suddenly dawned on me that yeah. that's what they... Okay, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, but the Blitzer robot, I think, uh, Skovox Blitzer, yeah. it had... It, the top of it is like a head and arms, but then it's got the kind of that round body. It has the multiple kind of crab-like legs that, that moves along as well. Well, to me, that's a clever design because that's going to have functionality of two legs and then would uh, defeat your point of you falling <laughs> over all the time. It's, you know, wide-based and has multiple legs so they can, you know... And it still has it. a recognizable face that you could talk to and input exactly. information. And, yeah. The other thing that I thought that I liked about the Blitzer robots were a robot was the fact that it was, to me, a callback, almost a half callback to some of the robots of old because it does have kind of an old sci-fi look to it, even though, I mean, it, it obviously moves much faster and better because we have a lot better technology in order for it to move that way. But I've always felt it had kind of that that classic design of it uh, in a way as well. And that's in a uh, episode that's only, what, five years old, four years old? Yeah. So when um, I can't remember the name of it. I had it and then I forgot. The um, Sixth Doctor 
one where they're on Earth and there's the giant robot that's running things. Oh, uh, in uh, Mind... Uh, no. Not um, Mind Warp, not Terror of the Roids. The, the first one, one of the yes. Trial of the Time Lord series. <laughs> Mysterious yeah. Planet. Mysterious yes, Planet, thank you. Yeah. God. Uh, I don't remember what the name of the robot is that's in charge of everything. It's an L7 or... L3? Maybe. Sure, we'll go with that. Um, well, there's L1 and L2, L3 listed on this list I'm looking at. You have a list? Mm-hmm. Wikipedia. Wow, look at you bringing homework. I've just now Googled it. <laughs> Notes. <laughs> um, it occurred to me that that one is another one that always kind of creeped me out as a kid. And I think part of it was just the sheer overall size of it. Because it's another it one. It's pretty massive. It's, it's a big, massive robot. But the uh, um, the Tim Curry devil horns <laughs> that they've kind of mounted on top of it. Then it, it finally triggered, as I was doing my research for this, it reminds me of Maximilian from The Black Hole. Uh, and now I wish that they had been able to find a way to make it silent. Because I think where it falls down a little bit is is the talking. But is it an L1? It's an L1, yes. Okay. the L1 one. Um, I think the fact that it has discourse with the Doctor and huge monologues is kind of what detracts a little bit from its uh, hulking, you know, I think silent but deadly, scary, big, right. you know, that would have been more effective for me but and then there's the candy man who's fantastic who's fantastic <laughs> there, you cannot say a bad thing about the candy I, man you know. <laughs> he is perfect for the story he's in he is yes, perfect yes, for the he story is. he's in you may have issues with the story itself but uh, you know. I, not, not even so much that it's i think if i were going to design candy man I would have made him look a little more candy-like, but I think that probably again. How the, the best what they had to Chocolate? do with well, it looks a little too much like, and this is probably because I think of a little more colorful American type candy, and these probably the, what he's designed by is probably what he's designed by reminds me of some of the old hard candy that used to get at my grandmother's house yeah. that you didn't eat because it had sat there for so long that it kind of melted together and was one big giant chunk. And That's if you exactly wanted any, you is. had to. Yeah, but he's, I think he's grandma candy that yeah. melted together and gained sentience. <laughs> but I think had, if I were going to do that, I think that perhaps. I would have still made it a little more colorful, maybe some wrapping. I don't know. I just the the aesthetic look of Candyman doesn't quite pads? meet doesn't quite meet my expectations of what Candyman should be. Uh-huh. It's a fine design for what they had, and I, you guys know know me. I have a love. So you're hate. saying he should have been even more over the top. I have a love hate. Yes, I think so. Because that's one because thing. Because happiness control needed was more color. I think it needed more over the top in order to drive the point oh, think, of where they were going. The more the over problem, the top would have been better. Here's yeah. the problem with that: is the the design almost comes on almost doesn't quite but it almost leans to the side of we're taking it serious and i don't think i don't think uh happiness control needed that i think it, it needed the we're yeah. not taking ourselves serious at all but still drive home that 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 moral of that story that they're that they're telling and right. i think that would have worked better for me that being said i think for what they had and for what they designed it was fine again i have a love hate relationship i with don't know I, Man, his, his whole head looks like it's made up of little you know made out of licorice yeah, and he's got the, it's essentially what he's this supposed gigantic to be, yeah. gumball machine chest piece. It's like a big dome. Th- I don't know. I don't know that you could go much more candy. <laughs> I think also the the waxy melted on it is too much. I think they, they did that to maybe hide some lines and zippers and things like that. But the fondant kind of melted down again. It's grandma's. You're right. He's grandma's candy, and it's he's all melted together. And in order to have a piece of him, you're gonna have to just chip it off. And you wouldn't eat it anyway because it's been there for probably. Well, it's probably been there since your parents were kids in that same jar, in that same ornate, you know, candy jar that was like crystal, and it came up and had a point on the mm-hmm. top, and you picked it up and you got the candy out of there. That's yeah, like that's that's that is what it reminds much. me of. Yeah, so. Yeah. So these, and what, what's worse is that the Candyman would have been made of like this part's one of the peppermints, which may have been okay, but then it was sitting next to the Werther's original, and they <laughs> you don't mix those two flavors. Those Werther's original. So those were Bassett candies, which Bassett were licorice, which is what it, what it reminds me of. Yeah, and he there was a mascot, Bertie Bassett, that they were investigated by because it was too similar to. 
<laughs> Which, if you go to Brits, they, so they kind do of... have the Bassett's candy on uh, the the logos on, like even the uh, um, Jelly Babies. Yeah, the Bassett's, and it's changed a little bit, but it's still every time I see it, I go, "Candy Man." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, BBC. I got to side with the, uh, the the copyright holders on this one. <laughs> I'm pretty pretty sure we can say definitively you you stole that. Just enough tweaks. No. <laughs> Personality is the one thing you gave it. <laughs> oh, he's totally Bertie Bassett. Oh yeah. Had you never looked that up before? No. Huh? Really? Yeah. I thought you of all people would have. I thought we had discussed it when we were. Yeah, we, we probably did, but he's totally Bertie Bassett. And maybe it just traumatized him enough that he stayed away from it. <laughs> But see, I don't think Bertie Bassett looks all that much like candy. He looks like Bassett candies, yes, but he doesn't yes. look all that much like candy to me. So maybe that's the problem. It's the American translation. I think that's cool. what it is, and it, that's why I, I just I I think it would be better if you had you know a peppermint swirl head, you know, and a, a you know candy cane type arms. That's getting a little too much peppermint in there, but licorice like arms, you know. I just maybe I don't a lifesaver know. head with the peppermint. Yeah, right. something like that. I don't know. Anyway, we're getting too hung up on Candyman again. We're going to be talking about Candyman here in the well, in the foreseeable future because we've got that audio coming out. So yeah, yeah. Um, what about new series? I mean, obviously, there's been a lot. Yeah, new new series has had several from the uh, the, the the awesome like uh, as simple as they are. I like the handbots quite a bit. The handbots are by far some of my favorites in I think it's because they're the so series. simplistic and they look they don't necessarily look like it's somebody in a suit, even though it kinda does. Well it's an easy way to time. make it very, very scary too, because number one, they're they're basically um what am I looking for? They're like antibodies for this colony of where people are living that are basically about to die and they're living, getting to live out a life. And so they're they're like a sterilization well, and, or and a nurse actually, bot. They're to help people. Exactly. And the fact that they're trying to help you and by helping you it winds up killing you is just terrifying. Exactly. And so they're, they're designed to be pleasing and to soothe you so you're not as afraid when you're killed. <laughs> Which is, I think, an excellent concept. Yeah. So um, they're not so awesome. I didn't like the <laughs> clockwork coins. The clockwork coins. The clockwork robots as at first. I thought that it was, I guess maybe they were a little too steampunky for me. Um, it works in the sense that it, the, they're dispatched in, uh, well, the time of uh, Madame uh, Pompadour, but it always seemed weird. It seemed, it's, they always seem too steampunky and, and not really logical for a robot that's trying to, you know, take her to get her part, to get parts for the ship. But the more, in fact, when they got to, what was the first story? Uh, Deep Breath. When they got to Deep Breath and they showed us the clockworks, then I was like, okay, I'm a little more on board this, but probably part of that is because they they made them darker and a little more um, uh, more rustic kind of looking, and I think that it worked better for me there. Um, but yeah, I wasn't a big fan of those when I first got. I love the, the girl in the fireplace. I love the story. The story is still one of my favorite. Uh, David Tennant, for sure, but of all Doctor Who. Um, but just I never really liked those much until we got to deep breath and they kind of explored them a little more. See, I guess I just was able to rationalize away the clockwork aspect of things because they're using they I assume they went into Madame Pompadour's time, got the parts needed to assemble them, so that's why they're not as advanced. Because they don't they just use parts from the ship because it's because they're trying to revive the ship. They're trying. They need those parts. They need that. They They need need those parts. They're trying to get parts for the ship, so they got to go get other parts to put them together. It makes sense. Then, yeah, makes sense. And it's weird because I'd almost go the opposite direction with it. Again, functionality wise, I understand that we're going to build the the head and then have a guy in a suit. You know, I would have much rather not had the. I I want to see what the robot looks like. I want instead of that Victorian or. I'm really hung up on the whole. And I, Whatever the, error that would have been. The, the, the clockwork robots for me are very much clockwork, whereas when they've gotten into deep breath, those to me feel a little more steampunkish. They do. They certainly because, do. Yeah. Maybe because they're older and grungier or something versus the very pristine, shiny. But I love the clockwork. I love the design of them. I love the idea of them. I, everything about it works for me on those. I'm not as big of a fan of the, uh, the Heavenly Host. I felt like we were just kind of there, there to be goons and 
they were and kind and, of and, and heavenly all right was, design but eh. they kind of harkened to the fox robot style but um, a little bit very much the heavenly hosts there or because really they're invented as a a foil in a christmas story right christmas set story yeah. and so they were created out of necessity and not really even all that menacing <laughs> no no they really weren't even though they too were deadly but well and another robot that ostensibly was created by a human or a humanoid race oh yeah versus some of these other ones that we don't know well max uh, evolved on their own max uh What's his name? Hedron. Capricorn? <laughs> yeah, Max Capricorn. I mean, I was, he was yeah. mostly robot by the time, you yeah. know, <laughs> we, he's revealed because all that's left is his head, but still organic, so not a robot. But um, he's the one that created them, so or had right. them designed anyway, so they definitely come from a humanoid you know, uh, race. Well, but, that's, the, that's the thing with the new series <laughs> ones, is they're all humanoid. Ah, uh, what, what was the uh, Waters I, of Mars? Gadget. Oh, yeah, Gadget. He wasn't humanoid. I don't even remember Gadget. He was the thing that <laughs> the oh, doctor reprogrammed the and rode through. The <laughs> because he's such an, a modern robot, I don't think of him as a robot. Yeah, this is very much what we it's a, it's see a, robots a, a in our day. He's, yeah. he's, he's two he's, robots. He's curios, curiosity. That's what he is. Yeah. <laughs> well, he sort of reminds me of uh, probe. the robots in Tony uh, Stark's... Uh, Garage and, and lab area, yeah, you know, very yeah. much like those. How about the robots of Sherwood? <laughs> Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that, big and menacing. The robot nights. Big and know. menacing. Could have worked. Yeah, could have worked. But And then, you know, obviously Sherwood, the, the sheriff was a robot too. So, oh, wait, was he an android? I think he. <laughs> I think he was almost. Yeah, is he a robot android. dreaming that he's an android, or is he an android dreaming that he's a robot? <laughs> uh, what other new robots, sir? Oh, we could go back to the old ones too. Um, we haven't talked about the white robots from uh, the story one. Um, Mind robber. Mind robber. Yeah, which aren't used very much, and no. they're big, kind of you know, just. Shapes that's their heads a shape and their arms are like a cylindrical shape and they're not used much other than being a little bit of a menacing foil in the void there for a while but yeah to be a threat it's this is going to sound weird but there was a part of me that kind of always felt like these would be a great robot to bring back but how I mean when you've crossed over into the land of fiction there's really nothing that can come back with you (laughs) because they kind of shape shifted didn't they. Did, am I remembering that correctly? That they kind of took the guise of some of these characters, or were they just the robots? I think they were just robots. Uh, I, don't, I couldn't. I don't. It's been long enough since we. It, watched it has been long enough that it, if that was implied, it didn't come across. To okay, me. I might be. But it might. You might be right. Might be remembering it wrong then. I suppose I've seen it more recent than I am. That's someone else's chameleon. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Let's not talk about community. There's now. the servo robot in um, the wheel in space. Yeah. The one that's on yeah. the ship that He's the doctor. In that book there. The funny thing about that is is I'm like I think we talked about this when we reviewed it just a few weeks back, but um when I read the book, the novelization before I watched the reconstruction, when I read it, the I didn't I had watched the uh well, the reconstruction and the, the existing ones I had watched it years ago and or at least the parts that were uh, available and didn't remember the servo robot robot at all from then. So I was like, Sean, I read this about this servo robot and I thought, Oh man, that's scary. That's a, that is a menacing robot. That's a, that's something to be afraid of. And then when we saw the reconstruction, it's, it's basically, you know, a a rounder quark. (laughs) I thought it's, it's a fat quarter. It's that a sure, very fat quarter. They sure explain the, uh, or they sure, yeah, they sure, certainly uh, extrapolate a scarier robot in text than they do visually. Yeah. But. Maybe I'll be a servo robot for Halloween. <laughs> Next time you go to Galley, you should be a servo there robot. There you go. I'm too tall. <laughs> what else? What else? Anything else? Well, we haven't talked about K9 yet. Who? Yeah, that one. I think we've done our whole 
podcast on K9, haven't we? Keith was hoping we'd do like another like K9 Adversary Archive point two. No, K9 is a bad guy. K9 is K9 is K9. I mean, there's K9's cool because he's a sidekick robot because he's a companion for the Doctor. Because he's, he's a dog. He's he's basically. <laughs> He's a mobile device before no mobile devices. I mean, he's just an oversized mobile device with personality is really what it is. He's I mean, Siri. He's, he's Siri. Well, he's better than Siri. He, he, might yeah, he, knows, you, he knows where the subway is. He won't get you lost. <laughs> 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 he might run out of power before you get there. Yeah. But, We'd have to recharge uh, four times on that He's model. Siri with lasers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, uh, I'm kind of surprised that you're okay. I had a whole argument. Again, based on the technical manual, because he's, his description is K9, the um, motorized computer. What is a robot but a motorized computer? But uh, that's different. No, no that no. robot is a yeah. motorized computer. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. No, it's fast. A mobile computer. A mobile anyway. computer. Mobilized. Excuse me, mobile self-powered computer. Yeah, that's a robot. So it's a computer. If it's, it's self-powered, then it's definitely a robot. Yeah. yeah. No. You have to plug it in. It's not a robot. This, this not a robot, because it's not self-powered. Canine moving around. He's a computer, but he's also a uh, robot. But you have to plug canine in. Well, just to charging. Yeah. I mean, my phone is a robot. My computer's not. Actually, my computer is now because I can <laughs> unplug it. laptop. <laughs> yeah, but it has to be mobilized. It has to be able to self-mobilization. Self, self-mobilization. Yeah. Self-mobilization. I didn't, well, re- I didn't really feel that way. I just wanted to pull okay. the nervous stick. What about the... Uh, Look, he's trying to get both of us. He couldn't do the, it either the way. The mummy no, robots. Oh, the mummy robots. Definitely from, robots. Uh, yeah, from... Uh, Pyramids of Mars. What about them? What about them? I mean, uh, we're we're like now we're just like running through a rogues gallery of robots, just throwing <laughs> them out there. What about them? Talk uh, about them. Kind of similar to like the Yeti them. in that it's just There's, a wireframe with a covering. Yeah, you know, there's very little robot to that robot. It's but enough to serve its purpose. Enough yeah. to, to enough to harbor a programming and be commanded by something or someone else in order to do its bidding so when it comes to robots on the show it tends to fall into two categories of the robots the one trying to take over or the robots just the henchmen or or, or robots acting the, as servants for somebody right else. and a lot of the ones we've discussed they've kind of been trying to take over or you know been a bit more menacing so the scene where they where they've dismantled it, it it's it's gotten to the point where I, I i can't watch it without chuckling now because i forget who it is it's either tom or sarah they, they've got this or Liz, uh, they've got this just whole ball of of rap, and all I can think of is the Bugs Bunny cartoon. Because you're not going to believe this, folks. He really was just hair and sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> Gossamer, yeah, yeah. There's, there's just there, I mean, you can see the frame lying there, but there's nothing in it, like one little control sphere <laughs> and this wad of gauze. <laughs> like, okay. Unlike the Yeti, which at least felt like they had a little more. Bulk, uh, yeah, there's quite them. a bit of bulk to that. Well, and again, going with uh, well, they they yeah, both have some also, they both have some bulk, but I mean the, the Yeti at least have a lot of the the hair or the the yeah. fur that's coming. Well, but I mean, so. if you were to pull uh, underneath the fur, if you if you ripped all that away, at least according to uh, Time Squared, there's a yeah, there was an a exoskeleton, yeah, yeah, you know, a hulking exoskeleton. I would agree. Versus a, a kite, but we don't know maybe box. maybe the. Uh, now, I would suspect that the mummy robots were probably real spindly, uh, like just uh, gears. And, and because I think you're going to design it after what is basically a mummified body. And what is that once it starts to break down? It's and a skeleton. It, it, yeah. Well, it is nearly a skeleton. Some of the, the organic material is still yeah. preserved or at least petrified. Um, but it's still going to be very spindly and, and narrow. And I would think that those robots would be designed after that, even though they have these big massive chests, but a big chest cavity. But I I agree. I think once you pulled all the gauze off, it would just be these like wireframe robots that, you know, are, are very small and spindly, but obviously gears strong enough to crush somebody. Maybe I'll be a mummy. That's what the chest is for. They've they've only got this one big giant bar across their chest. Their 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 torso is just this one big solid block, and their arms are these little tiny spindly things. If you took all the gauze off, but that's because they have to crush, you know, with their chest. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it only works if you have two of them. Yeah, yeah, they gotta go together. And and, and, and your victim has to be right at that right height to, you know. (laughs) That's not a very well thought out. Come come here, put your head right here. If they're strong enough, I suppose they could like maybe compress the cap. I mean, if they've got hydraulic uh, 
arms and legs. They don't have to be big, thick no. arms and legs. The hydraulics would do, would, would do enough pressure in order to even crush somebody's maybe, you know, chest cavity or something. But I'm really defending the mummy robots, and I have no idea why. <laughs> and you could have do it with just one if you Maybe because I love that story so much. Oh, yeah, you could back somebody into a wall and crush them. Yeah, yeah. Or a well, tree. <laughs> you couldn't do it like on a plaster wall. You might push them all the way through. <laughs> Drywall probably wouldn't work no, either. No. <laughs> why is there a mummy robot-shaped hole in your wall? They <laughs> tried to push me through. Funny story. There was a mummy-shaped robot here. <laughs> You just see the outline of you on the wall. Ow. <laughs> what else? What else? I was trying to think of ones from the Seventh Doctor era, other than... Candyman? Light and uh, <laughs> Control, which kind of... Those, th- kind th- of those don't really count in my robots, mind. Yeah. So. yeah, they sort of do. What about Fifth Doctor era? I mean, obviously we had the rest on Warrior Robot. And Chameleon. Uh, Chameleon. Chameleon, yeah. Which, you know, yes, robot, shape-shifting... Robot he's, in he's, order he's, to a, he's a robot. A he's a clockwork robot, which is really frustrating because he's he meets two of the three criteria to be cool. The third criteria is be cool. <laughs> Why is he a clockwork? Oh, you mean just in the well? He's, he's got the comparison. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, there's a little bit of a brain cavity in the chest cavity that they show you. In you, uh, can, you can has, you can see he has he's transparent got, parts. That's, he's that's got motors gears. and servos, though. That's right. not clockwork. Well, all right. Clockwork is actually like winding the gears up so that they you know perpetual motion. Yeah. Well, Quasi until, until they're down. See now, I want a whole story with the clockwork robots, like on their own spaceship. I mean, a lot of these and a robots giant gear that they have to back into <laughs> that turns them like, <laughs> like a I key. Think that'd be cool. Yeah, they now, have keys. On I mean, them. a lot of robots have servos and motors, and they just happen to be visible at certain times with yeah. chameleons. So not a clockwork. No, now he's more of a swatch watch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not exactly, but yes, yeah, I guess. more like a I'll digital. Le- watch. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Dating myself with that one, am I? I always wanted the one that was completely transparent. I never got it. They were expensive. They were expensive. I had two, and I felt like I was the luckiest kid on the planet, even <laughs> though neither of them were the transparent one that I wanted. <laughs> we were too poor. I didn't have any. <laughs> I can't think of any Fifth Doctor robots other than those two. Um, yeah, there's... Nothing's coming to mind. Well, the doctor the, faced down a lot of organic menaces, I think. He did. So, yeah. And the sixth doctor didn't have many other than obviously the one in uh, mysterious mysterious planet. planet. Yeah. And the rest of that story is all, t- all time lord. And then you have to go back to you know the master and the Ronnie and blah 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 blah. It's all kind of again Cybermen and Daleks. And the third Doctor's robots were more giant computers than robots. Yeah. Because he was so Earth-based. Mm, certainly. That's another... See, I, th- I feel like the War Machines were kind of ripe for a return during the third Doctor era. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been kind of a cool... Cool. Unless... Let's do what, this. When did the War Machines... Was that, when was that supposed to take place? Was that during the third Doctor? So, ooh. The War Machines? Yeah. No, that took earlier. place in present day... Earth at the time that it so was taking place, so 60, 60, 68, late 60s. Because they make reference to the new tower, so that you can actually definitively oh, right. date that one. Right. Yeah, that's right. I don't remember what tower it was, the post tower it's, or whatever. Yeah, post office tower or something. Yeah, no, I think we've extensively covered the uh, robots well enough. I mean, we didn't talk about the uh, Roboforms or the pilot fish from. Oh, the Christmas yeah. invasion. Those are just kind of variations on a theme, though. I mean, they are. They are. They really, really are. come down to heavenly host or Vox robots. Really, yeah, we didn't talk about the Smilers in um, Beast Below, which are the ones that you know right. were basically security or observer robots. And oh, Tesseract. Is it Tesseract. Oh yeah, the Tesseract. We determined that was a ship, didn't we? Oh, but we? but there were the antibodies in the Tesseract, and those would count as robots. Oh, the antibodies in the Tesseract would count as robots, yes. For that matter, would the ones inside the Dalek and into the Dalek be counted as robots as well? But Possibly. I don't I mean, remember. It's a defense system, but... Right. I suppose it depends on its origin, if they're mechanical or biomechanical. I don't think we have enough evidence to know. <laughs> 
All right, Sean, we'll wrap us up this on this discussion. Um, hopefully you enjoyed it. And if you have a strong opinion one way or the other, or if there's one that we didn't touch on that you were really hoping that we would touch on, uh, well, send us some feedback and let us know. Uh, otherwise, coming up on the schedule uh, next week, at long last, the beginning of the end. The moment has been prepared for. We're going to do Keeper Trocken, because I can't legitimately find a reason to make Keith wait anymore. <laughs> because Big Finish's next project is going to be Keeper Trocken, the musical. And uh, <laughs> he'll, he'll go off and listen to it, so I, I kind of felt mm-hmm. we, should, we should probably finally watch this one. Uh, so we're going to uh, all watch The Keeper of Trocken at some point and then talk about it next week, uh, which means subsequently that the next episode is going to be Legopolis and the next episode after that is going to be Castrovalva. And then we're going to talk Regeneration because Keith will have finally seen all of the Regeneration episodes. Woo! So there's that. Your whole month is planned out for you. Cool. Anything else we need to talk about this week? I don't think so. If that's going to do it for this week, until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.